This is NRL Boom Rookies. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Boom Rookies presented by ESPN. I am Matt Bungard and with me today, Nick Campton. Hello. The, the famous, rare, potentially outlawed Wednesday episode. Mm. Don't get used to this. this Should be illegal. Spe- this is a special treat. Yep. Uh, we thought that waiting till Friday to review games from Tuesday would that'd be a bit out of date. And we also... um, Well... Nick, uh, the biggest player transfer story in a couple of years, I'd say, and it directly affects both of our clubs. So with that basically being pushed over the line in the last 24 hours, we thought we should probably talk about that as well. So that's where we will start. Uh, Jack Whiten is, according to multiple reports, uh, all but a South Sydney Rabbitoh for 2024. Yes. So I've really run the gamut on this one. Um, when Whiten sort of said last month that he's going to explore the the player option in his contract. I was pretty confident he was going to stay with Canberra. Even when the Dolphins were sniffing around, I was still very confident he was going to stay with Canberra. And it wasn't until South Sydney emerged really only about at the start of last week that the reality of White and leaving sort of came into focus. And now it is happening and now he is going to leave. I don't have a problem with players leaving your club, right? Everyone leaves eventually. It's just a part of modern football and you've got to be okay with it. I don't have a problem. I, I, I don't have a problem with um, South Sydney getting him. Like I know there's a lot of chat about the salary cap and all of that. To me, clubs find a way to get the guys they really want. And again, that's just a reality of modern football. It's not shot at anybody. It's just how it works. You know, I could understand if he was leaving for more money, right? Money's important and we all need it. And I can understand that he wants to change his scenery. He's been at Canberra for a really, really long time. Everybody gets stale after a while and everybody needs to freshen up every now and then. But the part of the whole, this whole thing that I am really taking exception to is the narrative that he's leaving to win a premiership. And that's not a shot at South Sydney who are a really good side and could potentially win the premiership this year without him. I don't like this line of thinking though, because it makes Canberra sound like a basket case. It makes Canberra sound small. It makes it sound like Jack Whiten has done everything in his power, has, re- has hit his head on the limits of his own talent in the attempts to bring a premiership to Canberra. And I, I I just don't think that's happened. You know, like, I don't like how this makes Canberra look small. It makes us look Bush League, essentially. You know, Canberra's might not be a premiership team, okay? I understand that. I'm not an idiot, right? And I understand that they might not have been in premiership. Like, they're not in premiership discussions the last couple of years, but they're not a joke either. They're not a shitty little team who, you know, are having, who should have the eyes picked out. So the, so the players can go and start their real premiership campaigns at, at other clubs, you know, Canberra have been a bit better over the last couple of years than people, than people think a stat I dug up the other day. They're fourth in the league for finals wins since the start of 2020. So that's not a small sample size. That's three seasons. The three clubs that have won more finals games than them are Souths, the Storm, and the Panthers. So two teams that have won a premiership and another team has been to a grand final. So it's not like Canberra are the Tigers or the Titans or a team like that, a team that can't get out of their own way. And they do, I think they do have a really capable roster that that sort of gets hamstrung by two major factors. One is, is, is coaching and an inability for the club to find their best 17. It always takes them way too long. But I think the other factor in the club's lack of lack of 
sustained success is actually Whiten himself. You know, I'm not going to turn this into a Mitch Pierce situation. Like, remember when Mitch Pierce left the Roosters and all the Roosters fans decided, yeah, oh, who actually... defended him for a decade, turned on a dime. Instantly. Yeah, it was like, oh, remember, remember when he was terrible in Origin and we all defended him? That was all just a lie. He's actually trash. We got Cooper Crump. Now we're great. I'm not doing that. Jack Whiten has been a really great player for Canberra for a really long time. He did a Mount Rushmore of the club in the 21st century. He's definitely on it without question. But he is also a big part of the reason that this Raiders side isn't better. Him being the club's dominant playmaker has directly led to some of the team's really big shortcomings because of his shortcomings as a player, his shortcomings like his bad decision-making, the fact that he goes in and out of games, the fact that he can go missing in really big games when it really, really counts. Like, would you say that he's hit the limit on his own talents? Um, As a playmaker, yes. I think that going into the situation... you You think he's the best playmaker he can possibly be? Do you really think that? Well, he's he's past thirty. I don't see him getting any better. No, no, no. I'm no. I mean, ha, ha, this career that he's had, right? Yeah. Is it as good as he could have been? Oh, sorry. No. That's what I mean. No, no, no. Okay. Yeah, I get what you mean. Like, there's definitely been. I mean, he. You mentioned the team wanting him wanting to leave to win a premiership. He's obviously a large part of why Canberra haven't been able to win a premiership. In saying that, there's nothing he can do about the current situation at Canberra. There's nothing he can do about Canberra's inability to lure big names. To the capital, there's nothing he can do about. But that's not what. That's not the why they haven't that, been successful. Well, I mean, I, I think they would probably be more successful if they'd got. For ex- I mean, it's obviously an extreme, but James Tedesco, for example, turn, you turned on them. That's one player. They had George Williams, and that was, you know, it, probably the best halfback you've had in in a very long time. And then he left halfway through a season. Um, Canberra's inability to get top line players is 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 probably part of the reason why he's leaving. And I don't know if he's come out and said explicitly, uh, I'm leaving because I want to win a premiership. But, I mean, you just said there, you listed the clubs that have won more finals games than Canberra in the last three years. Well, he's going to one of those three teams. And he's going to a team that does have a more chance of winning a premiership than Canberra does. So whilst I get that it makes you feel bad and it, makes it, look, make, it might make Canberra look amateurish, I, I, I'm not sure it makes Canberra look amateurish, but, I mean, I don't think you can begrudge, I don't think anyone can begrudge him for making this decision for his footballing career, because he is objectively going to a more palatable situation to win a premiership than the one that he's currently in. This isn't, this isn't about like my beef isn't about Souths though. No, I'm, I know, I'm not that's saying what's it impo- that's what's important to understand. Like no, it would, if, if he's leaving and he's saying I'm going there to win a premiership when the right, when he has played such a big role in leading the Raiders to the current place they're in, because the club has all been about him for a yeah. really long time now. And they have been endlessly accommodating of, of all his faults and proclivities, both on and off the field. You know what I mean? And when he has been pretty poor, like not, maybe not poor, but certainly not at his best over the last couple of seasons. And Canberra was still willing to offer him a deal to make us make mm-hmm. him the richest player in club history. Like this is a club that has given him literally everything a player could ask for. And no, it's no, still, I, I and get it's still all not that. enough. You know, I get all of that. I'm just trying to understand it though, because like, he is going to a better premiership situation. You take away all the content. It's not like he's saying I'm leaving to win a premiership and signing with the Tigers. He's leaving to win a premiership. He's leaving to go to a team, which as you said, could win the comp this year without him. He's, he's leaving to go to a situation where it's going to be easier for him to succeed. Uh, that, that's just a fact. And maybe yeah. he wants a situation where there's a little bit less pressure on him. Maybe he wants a situation where he doesn't have to be the main man, which he has been at Canberra for, you know, so many years now. So, you know, I take everything you're saying, and it is frustrating that, you know, as you said, the club's given him so much over the past few years. They've done everything they could to accommodate him. 
But if they've done that and they still haven't succeeded and he's going somewhere else where he feels like he can succeed with less pressure on him and you're no longer sort of tied to this, uh, not a weight on your shoulders, but this player who was basically the most looked after and a guy who you wanted to compensate financially higher than any other player in club history. If you're no longer tied to him, isn't it kind of a win-win then? Because you can move on and he can be happy with less pressure on his shoulders and Canberra can retool their team not around a 31-year-old 5'8 for four years. Possibly. Look, we're still, there's the, the way this shakes out in the future is still yet to be seen. And again, I'm not, I don't have an issue with, with, with him leaving. It's the, it's the manner of his yeah. departure that really gets to me because this isn't just a guy who's been there for a couple of years. This isn't a John Bateman situation where he was there for two years. And while he was an important player, it was still two years. This is a guy that's been there for a decade since he was a kid. This is meant to be the platonic ideal of a Canberra rugby league player. You know what I mean? A, a kid that they sort of picked out in the juniors and they have carrot that they have sort of built the club around. This is what Canberra is meant to be about junior development. You know what I mean? And, 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 and having these guys and turning them into career Raiders players and then having him turn around and essentially say, well, you know what? You've given me everything, but that's not good enough. You guys aren't good enough for me anymore, mm. which is essentially what he's saying when he says, I'm going to a better club to, or I'm going to a bigger club to try and win a comp. Like, well, part of the reason that the Raiders are in the position that we're in is because he's let us there. I, I and, now, and now he's saying he doesn't want to be there anymore. Like that's I, that's that's the that's just the part that really mm. really sticks with me. You know? Yeah. No. It, I, it would I, be different. I, it would be different if the last two seasons he'd been playing blinding lights out football, and then he and he said, "Well, I've kind of done all I can do." You know what I mean? For example, it would it would really really like break my heart if if this was Josh Papali'i or something like that. But if Josh Papali'i was leaving tomorrow to go play for Brisbane and he said, well, look, I've done everything I can for this club and I've sort of hit the limits of my own ability and now I want to go in a premiership, that would really hurt as well because he'd be saying the same thing. But I would be like, well, you know what? He actually has gotten the most out of his own ability. He has He has done everything he could possibly do to win a premiership for Canberra and for Jack Whiten, again, a really great player for the Raiders, a Dalian winner, a Clive Churchill medal winner. And I, I don't doubt his effort from a physical sense, but from a player development perspective, I don't think he's as good a player as he could have been for Canberra, which is a crazy thing to say about someone who's accomplished what he's accomplished. But I also think that's true. Like I've been coming on this show for years, expressing my, my uh, frustrations with a lot of parts of his game. The fact that he is 10 years in the league and he still makes these really bad errors and he still fades in and out of matches and he still struggles to connect with his halves and, and, and all that sort of thing, you know? So I guess, I guess, yeah, that's the tough, that's the part I'm, I'm really having a tough time with, you know, I, I was reminded a little bit in the preseason when we were talking about Dom Young signing with the Roosters from the Knights. Right. And I get that's a different situation, but when we were talking about that, I kind of said, well, the, the the way to keep someone like Dom Young is to build something that he can't, that he wouldn't be willing to walk away from, right? And what the Raiders built with Jack White was a situation where, like, he is the the dominant figure at the club, one who 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 many who many exemptions and accommodations are made for, you know. And like, is he worth one point? Is he worth the one point one million dollars the Raiders were going to pay him? No way, not no. A, not not a chance in hell. But I would have been fine with them paying that. You know, I'm fine with I'm fine with a guy getting paid for time served. I'm fine with a, a with significant figures in the club's history being looked after in that way, even if he wasn't worth it. You know, because that's the sort of stuff that Canberra has to do. That's the point of difference that they offer 
to some of the other clubs in the league that they look after their own, you know? Have that, how, how, are there any actual quotes from him? Like, I can't remember in any of these stories reading anything from him explicitly saying the things that everyone's reported him saying, which is that he's leaving to win a comp. So well, does that, no, does that but, matter to you at all what he does eventually say when this all comes out? Um, Not not really, because I, I, I feel like I know what he's going to say. You know, he's going to say it's no hard feelings and he'll always be a Raider and this is just the next chapter and all, all that sort of thing. I've no doubt that he'll say all the right things, but if winning a premiership doesn't factor into this decision, then I would be absolutely, totally gobsmacked. Sure, you know? but again, like... I just keep coming back to the same point, though, and this isn't just you. This is a lot of Canberra fans who I've talked about this with who who say the same things. But it's like we all agree that the team is kind of like, I mean, Jack White is currently your highest paid player. And you said th- three or four minutes ago that you don't think this team is in title conversations right now. Um, you also said that Souths are. And I- I'm just trying to understand what he's done wrong exactly because he has is electing to take less money because he's got two or three years left in his career and he's figuring I got, I want to try to win the comp before I retire. I don't want to be one of those guys that's regarded as one of the greats of the game, but never got the big one. No, and, but part of the, part of the reason we're not better is because of him. Right. Directly, but I mean, directly because of him, like sure. He, he was also your best player in a grand final and scored yeah, during the was. grand final he try was, but, in the past 25 years. Yeah, he was, but I'm talking about the last, three seasons now sure you know what i mean like yeah. 2021 and 2022 he was he was i would say nowhere near nowhere near no i i, I accept like that, that but do you that, actually do you like given given the teams around you and the teams above you do you actually think you underachieved like last year especially yes yes you think, I do. You, under, you, think you underachieved making the second week of the finals and losing to the premiers uh, i think, we, finals, I, think we, I think we underachieved finishing eighth in the regular season definitely because mm. you saw how good the team was once they got their best 17 on the field you know that's 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 the point that's the point part of the reason i'm always so frustrated with cameron part of the reason i come on here when they lose to the knights and I tear my hair out and wail at the skies is because this roster is is this roster is capable of more than what it has done over the last two seasons. I think last the last two seasons they've they've had the quality to be, to be a top six side. Sure. 2020, 2021, it didn't work for a variety of reasons. 2022, they didn't they finished eighth because their start was so bad. Once they got their best 17, they were a really, really capable side. You know? Yeah. And I what 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 kills me is that is it, like what else could Canberra have done to accommodate Jack Whiten? Mm. You know, like you say, they didn't go out and make big signings. That's never really been their go. And he, he, well, maybe it is, needs to be. He himself is proof of that. He, he himself is proof of what Canberra's go is, which is finding kids and making them better or getting, or the other side of that is finding undervalued players and bringing them to the club and make well, them Well, maybe better. they the need to change. Clubs, they've always been that way. They're never going to be the sort of team that goes out there and makes big transfers. They could, if, if, if the positions were reversed, Right. And South Sydney were a team that had sort of been on the fringes of the eight and they had a really good player that was looking to leave. Mm. Canberra would never be in the conversation to sign that guy. That's just not a realistic path for this club, you know? So Why? What be, mate, it's just because Canberra aren't big free agent players. They just aren't. They never have been. You're just telling me that you're just telling why though? What? You really, really? You don't understand why? No, you don't understand why Canberra can't go out. Like 
you don't understand why Canberra can't go out. Like every time there's a big free agent on the market, you yeah. don't understand why Canberra's not in that conversation. I mean, I understand that it's an issue of people not wanting to live in Canberra, but yeah, dude, you know, it's mate, it's different. It's different when you're in a regional center. It's different when you're in a regional center that doesn't have a beach or anything like that. Canberra's in a Canberra's in a unique situation. There's no other club that has the same recruitment troubles that Canberra's. The only one who kind of does is the Cowboys. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, it's just, I mean, I, 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 I mean, the Knights not signed Kalen Ponga. The Storm have no issues signing big players. Those are yes, yeah, because those the Storm, the, that's because Melbourne's a major, major metropolitan city. Newcastle's a city with beaches and good weather and all that. Canberra's a cold and 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 somewhat remote place. It's always going to be difficult to sign big name guys. It's hard to get guys to. It's hard to get big name dudes to Canberra. There's a reason that they've signed one incumbent origin player since the 1980s. You know what I mean? Mm. There's a reason that they had to go to Queensland and then uh, the Pacific Islands and then England to find their stars. Canberra are not big free agent players, mate. It's not as simple as, well, why didn't they sign more big names? Big names don't come to Canberra. That's just the way it is. And that's fine. That's fine. Canberra's done a, done a uh, as good a job as I could ask for in my lifetime in not being able to sign those big players. But reducing it to, well, why didn't they just sign more big names to put around Whiten? I'm not I reducing think, it. I it's think it's. One, I think, one, mate. Why do you think it, it just overlooks? It just overlooks the realities of what Canberra's like. Well, the rea- mate, well, well, okay, but well, fine. The reality is that South Sydney are better positioned to win a comp right now than Canberra is, and that's why he's leaving. So, if you know that that's the reality, and we've both acknowledged that that is the reality, what are you still like? What part of that is uh, like unfair or upsetting to you? Because part of the re- like we keep going around in circles. Because part of the reason that Canberra's not better is directly because of him. Hmm. Like Even he, though he, he helped lead us to this place, and now he says he doesn't want to be there anymore. He doesn't want to be right. in this place anymore. Okay, so if he's helped you lead you to this place where you you know if, if you're saying this is a dead end, then isn't it a win-win that he's leaving? I'm not saying no. It's not a win-win. I wanted him to stay because he's a significant player for this club and in their history. That's why. That's why he's been a really important player for Canberra. I want all the really important players at Canberra to stay in Canberra forever. Even if I don't like their style as much, even if I don't love White and like I love Papaliti or Croker or no. some of those other guys, yeah, sure. I, want him, I want him to stay because he's been important, mm. you know, and because Canberra is a different sort of team. We're not a team that can sign our way out of trouble. We're not a team that can throw around million dollar deals. We have to find something more than that. We have to find the the spaces between the players. We have to find the emotional sort of core of stuff that helps us retain these sorts of guys. That's kind of what makes us unique, you know? Okay. So, well, uh, anyway, in, it, in it, mate, re- it just, it sucks. It just sucks when a really important player in your club's history turns around one day and says, you're not good enough for me anymore. Yeah. I'm sure, I'm, I'm sure it does, but uh, I, I'm just trying to understand like re, re, I'm being serious. I don't really understand what he's done wrong. You said he he's on your not, Mount mate, Rushmore, he mate. He hasn't. He hasn't done anything wrong. It's not well, like then, I. It's not like I hate him. I'm not going to boo him when I see him play at Magic Round or anything like that. No. I think it's just. I think it's. Just, it's a bit of a slap in the face for such an important player in the club's history to, to do something like this. But again, like, what? I, I just don't understand what part of this is is a slap in the face. Like. He's past 30. So, bro, say, saying that this club's not good enough for him anymore. Has he explicitly said that? He, mate, by leaving to go play for a club that he says can win him a premiership, mm. that's what he's saying. Yeah. This team isn't good enough for me anymore. So, this what's team the night? going to is by leaving, he... like, just by leaving, he's, 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 he's implying that. Yeah, but I don't think he's wrong. That's you, the, you that's the point. You think, you think he's too good for Canberra? No, I don't. I don't think any. No one is saying that. No one has said the words. I'm too good for this 
this club Mate, and this that's city. The implica- when you leave one club because they can't win no, your premiership. Yeah, right now. You go to another the- one and you go to another one where you say you can, right? You're you you are explicit you are explicitly implying that this other club isn't good enough for you and this one is. Yeah, right now. If he was 21, this conversation would be different. He's 30. He's got a couple of years left in the NRL, especially with the way he plays. And Canberra aren't winning a competition in the next two to three years. They're not. So again, and, and you agree with that. So I don't, I don't really get what he's done wrong. I don't understand. I'm not saying he's done anything. No, wrong. you have slap in the face has a negative inference. It's you're saying that he's done something wrong. I don't really understand it. I don't see it that way. He's 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 well within his rights to leave. I'm not saying he's done anything wrong. I just think the way that he's this has sort of played out and the way he's tried to treated Canberra through this is is a little bit unbecoming. Okay. Well, uh, but again, what part? What what do you mean treated? Like, what's he done wrong apart from saying? No, no, I want to go and play somewhere else for the last couple of years of my career. Oh, I think, I think the fact, I think the way that the, when he activated the, when he end activated the clause, mm. when he was in a really bad run of form like that, and then sort of, and then, and then, and then, and then the, the, the decision to leave a club that has been built around him mm. is, I, I think, I think that's, um, I think that's a little bit poorly done. But yeah. it sounds like we're going to have to agree, agree to disagree on this one. Talked a lot about Canberra. How do you feel about him coming to Souths? Um, well, as you know, I've always been a huge fan of Jack White and I've never <laughs> criticized him. I think he's a fantastic talent and I think that he'll come into this team. Uh, it's He's almost a luxury player, but oh, that he's left it. Very, very like, much a luxury, yeah. It's like it, it's it's obscene. But also, it is funny to me that people are, well, not, not anyone with a brain, but a lot of people have been blowing up about the salary cap and this and that. And it's like, well, have you actually sat down and thought about who Souths have signed in the last three seasons, five seasons? They're big, they, they signed Trell and Jai Arrow. And that's basically it from sort of a needle moving point of view. They grabbed, you know, the recent signings include Jacob Host, Salibra Havili, Michael Sheikham. Not exactly huge chunks of the salary cap. And on top of that, they lost Jaden Sewer, they lost um, Adam Reynolds, and they lost Dan Gagai. So, yeah, initially I was like, oh, how are we going to afford him? And then I kind of sat down and thought about it. And I was like, well, we don't really sign anyone. We haven't really signed anyone in a couple more, of years. So. I, think it's, I, I think it's more upgrades, though. Yeah, so yeah, Cam- yeah. So Campbell, Gra- Campbell Graham's got a big upgrade. Well, that is okay. I'm, I'm so glad you mentioned on. him because that's that's my main concern about this signing is that if if signing Jack Whiten means we lose any of Totola, Keon, or Campbell Graham, then I'm probably against it. Hmm. And I don't know if that will happen. That remains to be seen. Maybe they'll keep all of them. That would be tremendous. But um. It will be very strange next year to have a guy who spent a decade being a, a, a really good five eight for one of the one of the constant thorns in South's side, just playing center for us instead. Yeah, I think I think he'll be a big success at South. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. I think I think he'll be really really good. Like playing center is not an option that was ever really available to him at Canberra because Canberra were always going to have to maximize his talents as best they could. And I actually think that would be the same no matter where he was playing. I think the only way that he'd be able to slot into a team at center would be at this point of his career where he's willing to, to compromise, to fit into another side. But like, we've all seen how well he plays at center for New South Wales and Australia. He's just going to make that left edge even better. I'm a bit like you where from a Rabbitohs perspective, the only, um, the only pause I would have with this signing would be if it cost them, someone like Keon or someone like Graham or whatever. But then even if it doesn't, the the other concern would be 
So if, even if you keep all your top guys, just to fit everyone in, you're probably going to have to lose some of your depth. And South Sydney's depth has actually been quite a strength for them. Yeah. I think particularly this season, just because they had they to, had, had to be. But they had their best 17 on the field? No, Totola and Arrow have not played a game together, apart from the first hit up of the first game. Yeah, yeah. So there's like this whole other string of sort of second tier guys, who many of whom have been able to come in and do a really good job for them, you know? So losing those guys probably uh, drops South's uh, floor a little bit. Mm. Um, but then getting one, of course, raises their ceiling, you know? And like, as we said, this is a team that could win the premiership this year without Jack White. Isaiah Tass, who he's going to replace at left center, scored the winning try on the weekend, you know? so That is true. Did have a bit of a Barney up until that point. He got, did, but, got, he's had, got, but he's had a good season on the whole. He has. And he counterpoint, has. Stephen Crichton goes Super Saiyan every time he plays South. So there's no shame in getting owned by him. <laughs> That's right. Um, From a Canberra perspective, what they do next, I, there's obviously going to be a lot of skies falling. Canberra can't sign or mm. keep anyone sort of stuff going around. That kind of stuff, it hasn't actually happened. That sort of stuff hasn't reared up since, oh, probably since Dugan and Ferguson and Milford all skipped town in a short period. So that's a fun little throwback that I'm certainly enjoying. But I don't think the ass is going to fall out of Canberra because Whiten's left. So he's missed 12 games since the start of 2019, so since he moved to the halves, and Canberra's won 10 of them. So while he is he is a loss, and I, I probably would have preferred that he stayed, I don't think... It's a crippling blow. And I, while the halves market is not strong at the minute, there's also a lot of talking now about how Canberra's got a war chest and how they can go out and sign all these guys. And again, that's just not really Canberra's go. I really hope England isn't closed as an avenue for the Raiders because I think the two guys I would love to see them try and get are Jack Wellsby or Lewis Dodd from St. Helens. I think Wellsby in particular would be a perfect replacement who would deal really well with Jamal Fogarty. Wellsby's sort of a bit similar in style to Whiten, where he's like a a, a, a playmaker. You know, mm. he's not an organizer. He's he's big plays. He's line breaks. He's try assists, that sort of thing. If they can't get either of those guys, three blokes in the NRL who I'd really like them to take a look at. Um, Braden Trindle at the Sharks. I know he re-signed in January, but who cares about contracts? Dane Laurie is someone who shapes to me as like a classic Raiders signing. Like it's clear there's a lot of talent there, just needs a change of scenery. I think mm. a move to the halves would be really good for him. He's a country guy as well. He's from up Grafton way. So I think country guys always do well in Canberra. Um, and then of the of guys in the NRL, the person I'd really like to see him try and get a hold of would be Jonah Pezzett from Melbourne. You know? Yeah. I think he's really enjoying um being an understudy down there, but his path to first grade is blocked for quite a while. Um, I don't really see a natural fit for him um in 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 in, in that system. And Unless someone goes down. And I think of the halves options that are, or of the options that are available to young half, I think Canberra's probably one of the better ones. You're playing behind a good yeah. forward pack. You've got some pretty good outside backs. Um, he's another country guy as well. He's from up Newcastle way. So, and I think that's important. I think when Canberra are making these signings, the, 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 the lifestyle appeals to guys from country areas and, and England. So sort of fish where the fish are. That's kind. Of, that's kind of what I'm. I'm looking at going forward for them. Luke Brooks, future Canberra Raider. Oh man, no! Don't even, don't even put that in the universe. Use bro. the war chest that you're about to have <laughs> to go out and get that Tigers young gun that you failed to get all those years ago. The Tigers, the and other Raiders. <laughs> the Tigers and Raiders in a bidding war for Luke Brooks. They are the Tigers are so bad that if you offered a million dollars for Luke Brooks, they'd probably offer him like one point two. Got to keep him. 
Got to keep him. Club Club stalwart. Has he been unleashed yet this this season? Um, no, but I feel like his leash was definitely wearing thin on, right. on Sunday. Okay. I thought he was okay on Sunday. Yeah. But they so maybe not him... unleashed, but maybe semi leashed. Yeah. Well, if they put him in the six jersey, that, that could do it. Just unlock his running game, you know. Worked once for Kyle Flanagan last week. Playing in the anyway. Did he get dropped? Um teamless are out now. They just they just looked. Uh yeah. Josh Reynolds starting at five eighth. There you go. Oh wow. Yep. Fantastic. Well, that, that'll be fun. Okay, uh, we have two games from yesterday to look back on. Uh, we, again, we jumped on now because we figured by Friday, a little bit stale. So, yeah, first of all, uh, the Dragons and the Roosters. Uh, I saw you at halftime, and we both kind of agreed that the Roosters were playing with their food a little bit, I think was what you said. And it felt like they were going to sort of meander their way to a comfortable win, like 34 to 10 or something like that. But then all hell broke loose, and it ended up being a fantastic game. Yeah, I feel like we got the best and the worst of the Roosters in this one. Um, in that first half, I thought it was probably as impressive a half as they've played all season. And I know people will point to the new halves combination being a big part of but I actually thought Victor Radley having his best game in, I would say, a couple of years played a really big part in it. Um, I thought he he gave them tremendous width with his passing, you know, and, and Brandon Smith from dummy half did as well. If you look at that first try to James Tedesco, again, the ball from Smith from dummy half gets Radley way on the outside of several defenders. And then it's really easy work just to put Egan butcher through the whole Trent Robinson mentioned after the game that they didn't go into the match looking to play wider. It was very much a, uh, it's just a byproduct of what happens when they're playing with that connection, you know, when they all really link together. You know, so in that first half, and, you know, Saints were bad in that first half. They were loose around the middle. They looked like the team that was sort of waiting for a change. I didn't didn't think they were really up for the fight much at all. But that's kind of what the Roosters needed. I think they needed a bit of an easy, an easy kill. They needed someone something to get their mojo back. And at halftime, I fully expected them to go on with it and win by 40 points and look like the destroyer of worlds that a lot of people have been waiting for them to be. But... Then the other half of the Roosters kicked in, like the the other side that we've seen this year where they just, I don't know, like for every step they take forward, they seem to take another one back, you know? And the Dragons, Tyrell Sloan, fantastic again. Um, him and Moses Sully just absolutely carved up that right side. Um, Joe Suwali had a tough a tough day at left center. Um, and, the, and they very, very nearly got him. And even that winning Roosters play, that winning field goal, where Joe Manu runs out of dummy half on the last realizes the last and then goes back to Luke Carey. It was a triumph of like individual brilliance rather than the team being connected together. And I, I think, think they the did challenge. that on purpose. You think you really, you think so? Yeah, they've done that. They, do you remember that try they scored against South earlier this year where um, two or three of them were yelling at each other, like they didn't know the play. And then they just, uh, I can't remember which try it was, but they did, they did a similar thing against South. They had, they do have this in their locker, the roosters where they pretend like they don't know what they're doing to get more space on a play. And I think that that might be what happened here. I don't know. We interviewed Joe Manu after the game. I did know, you ask didn't, him? Yeah, yeah, we did. We didn't get, oh, okay. that, didn't get that impression from it. Um, but it was, it was two, two bits, of, two individual players making individual plays like Manu scooting out like that and then going backwards, created a lot more space for Kiri and then Kiri buries the kick. But I think the challenge for the Roosters is sort of linking all those disparate parts of that roster together, getting all their talent connected together. That, that seems to be what they what they really struggle with. Yeah, it, it was, it was frust- It was funny to talk to some Roosters fans afterwards who were like, Oh, our attack's so bad. And it's like, well, you scored 28 points. That's usually yeah. enough to, that's usually enough to win NRL games. But, um, well, 27 points, I'm sorry. But yeah, like 
but they they were not at all happy with how things went attacking wise. I thought Kiri played okay. I think that we didn't really get a chance for the most part to see how their new attack is supposed to work with like you know these flowing backline movements and stuff like that because they just belted them through the middle so easily in the first mm. half that it didn't matter. Like we didn't see it. It was almost like a Volandi ball era game where a team just gets on top in the middle and just rolls through them, which is what they were doing. And when that stopped happening in the last 20 minutes or so, yeah, you're right. They didn't really have, they didn't really have anything to adjust to, but yeah, they ended up, you know, seeing the game out just barely. Um, but yeah, I think we'll need a few more weeks of uh, this new house combination before anyone could sort of make a judgment. I think it would have been foolish no matter what to come out of this game and be like, Oh, it, Trent Robinson's a genius, or oh, Sam Walker needs to be back in the team. So, yeah, I, I, th- I think there were there were glimpses of of mm. what could be promising about this, which is if Radley's there and Radley's playing well, and he's almost acting as as more of the first receiver, and then Manu and Kiri are acting out a second receiver, which they're both really comfortable doing. I guess that would be the path to success for that combo. But yeah, I think I think you're right. I think it is a little bit too early to tell. I thought. Brandon Smith was really good. It's probably his busiest game as a as a, as a rooster. Um, I think they they really got the balance right with how to use him. I think he played about seventy minutes. Um, and in contrast to the game against the Sharks, I thought he was actually probably stronger in his second stint uh, in his second stint than his first. So maybe mm. they're getting away towards unlocking him as well. Saints, maybe. how about this? Here's a stat for Saints. This is the third week in a row where they've scored as many or more tries. Than their opposition and lost. Oh dear! Yeah, once is great. once is bad. Three in a row. That's absolutely brutal. Not the best. Um, yeah. Well, it's. I mean, one of them was from the sideline for Zach Lomax, so you know, can't really put the finger at him this week. But yeah, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not pointing not, the finger. It's just. Oh no, um, I'm not saying you were, but it's yeah. just. It, it's. It's not like it was a game where like he shanked two or three close to the sticks yeah. or something like that. Yeah. But um, yeah, you know, obviously a lot of positives to take out of a game. Like, you can't always say that when the team loses. You can't go, oh, lots of positives. But when you lose outscoring your opposition in tries, you can take a lot of positives out of it. I think that <laughs> that 10-minute that period they had just after halftime was was tremendous. That was that was the Dragons at their best. That was Tyrell Sloan, who in the first half, Dragons fans wanted him designated for assignment. They wanted him They wanted him cut. They wanted him out of here. He he just turned the turned the Jets on for 10 minutes. Tauta Moga, South Sydney legend, uh, continues... <laughs> to have be having a great time out in that wing. And yeah, I, I think that they, once they realized that they could just run at that piecemeal edge of Swali'i, uh, Luke Keery, and then when Tupo went Mis- off. And miscellaneous. Throw, yeah, and when, and when, well, and yeah, and when, and when Tupo went off, throw, um, throw Drew Hutch in there as well. I think they, they got a lot of joy just going down that side repeatedly. I think, um, uh, they because we were sitting on that side, so they were attacking that 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 side mainly. And I think Murdoch Masilla especially was just having a lot of joy getting those balls and early spreads in that second half and 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 making something happen. He's a large man, by the way. He is a thick. He's a unit he's a monster, bro. Close. But, but yeah. he he can move like a dancer. He really can. Like, so light on his feet. I've, I've always I've always had a soft spot for for Ben Murdoch Masilla. Yeah, well, that's what happens when you work for the Murdoch Media. <laughs> That's right, Rupert's, Rupert's, Rupert's great nephew Ben Murdoch Masilla. I can't, um, I can't wait for Ben Murdoch Roy to show up on the in the final episodes of Succession. That'd be great. Logan, chucking, Logan, chucking Roy's, offloads. Logan Roy's largest, most illegitimate son. Well, he shoulder charged Stetson. Now the deal's off. <laughs> oh, damn it! Another setback. But yeah, look. I think they played pretty well, honestly. The, the, that's the most I've enjoyed watching the Dragons in that second half for quite some time. 
So are they, ba- are they back? I don't know if they're back, but they had some nice flashes. I think I'd like to see more because they lost this game, in my opinion, before halftime. This game, oh, I know they like they hindsight's a wonderful thing. They only got losing by one point, but I don't think anybody really thought they were much of a chance before Jack Bird got that kind of fortunate try. And even after that, um, yeah, no one made much. As I said, you, you and I saw each other at halftime and thought it was going to be a, a procession. So, mm. yeah, a, a really great game in the end. I really, really enjoyed it. And I think they nailed the cer- the ceremonies and all that stuff. Full house at the new stadium. Uh, it was, yeah, it was a privilege to be there for what was a very important day on the regular season calendar. And a great game to match. Um. Let's head, uh, and then we we don't have to wait an hour for another great game, another five tries to four contest. But this one, the team that scored five tries won the game. Melbourne thirty, Warriors twenty two. Uh, again, an, another another like game where the losing team can take some moral victories. But I think in this case, the Warriors shouldn't be taking moral victories. They should be kind of frustrated that this one got away from them. I I think so. I think that as well. There was a, a bit of talk after this match, like you know how proud the Warriors fans could be. Of their side, and I, I thought they did play with a lot of a lot of effort, especially when like they didn't have a didn't have a bench by the end of the game. Like, get they they and they were losing key players. They lost Chance Nickel Klukstad. They lost um, Tohu Harris. Me and Tohu respect every. Oh, we really value everybody's support during this difficult time. We hope to get him back on the field soon. But I, I would be I would be frustrated if I was a Warriors fan because. I thought they got a really bad whistle probably in the last 20 minutes. I thought the second Nick Meaney try off the off the deflection uh, when I think two Warriors players and, and Remus Smith went up for a contest. I thought that was pretty clearly and like I think Remus Smith pretty clearly got a touch, you know, at some point. So at 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 worst for the Warriors, it should have just been a fresh set for the storm instead of a try. Um and then in the last few minutes when I think the the Warriors were down by two. I think that's when the 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 injuries really caught up with them because they just didn't have the capabilities to throw much throw much dynamic stuff at the storm, you know? Like uh Sean Johnson, you could see straight after the game, so before he got even in the sheds, they had him sitting on the bench and they were icing up his knee. So I wonder if he was carrying something as well. And that probably took away from any dynamic qualities of their attack in that last 20. But I feel like for that first 60 minutes, they were they were really giving it to the storm. They were looking, they were looking great. You know, and when they were up 18-6 and Adam Fanua Blake was rumbling through the middle of the field, you know what I was thinking? Thinking the Warriors always play the Storm tough. That's right. Always, um, always play them tough. As we know, a, 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 a constant thorn in the side of the <laughs> Melbourne Storm in recent years. Yeah, um, I, I agree with all of that. And yeah, I, I think it's just a shame for them. But th- I guess this, in a weird way, is a sign of sort of how quickly they've progressed under Andrew Webster, whereas, you know, in previous campaigns, a narrow loss to the storm would be seen as a celebration for them. But instead, we're kind of like, boys, you had it. You yeah, had it. What are you doing? Um, so, yeah, I, I, I'm not sure there's too much to... I mean, the storm were just too clinical down the stretch. Harry Grant is really good at rugby league. Well, they, and... they, they really they really leaned on their on their best players. Mm. You know what I mean? All the, Like their best players, uh, Grant, Munster, Asofa Solomona, were all fantastic when yeah. it really, really can. I thought Asofa Solomona was superb off the bench in his return and him coming on is really what brought the storm back into the match. Um, I thought Harry Grant didn't get a Dally M vote, which is baffling to me. <laughs> I don't know how, I don't know how you come away from this game, not thinking he was one of the best players on the field, but whatever more power. Did, did to Nelson you. get any? Nelson got a couple. Nick Meaney got the most. Yeah. Happy. For I Nick mean, Meaney. he was, he was, he was, he was strong for sure. He sort of continued yep. 
his um his his good season and all of that. But um, yeah, the storms the storms big guns really stood up when it mattered in this one. Um, think- and and yeah, just a a strong win for them, a win where they really had to fight for for what they got. What worries me a little bit about the Warriors is these next two weeks they got the Roosters and the Panthers, mm. and just how undermanned they will be um, for those two matches. If the, if the Tohu Harris injury is serious and if Charles Nickel Klukstad is confirmed to have suffered a concussion, because this is one of the only periods this year where a team plays three games in 11 days. And it's probably three of the toughest games that the Warriors will play this season. So I, 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 I think we'll, we'll, we'll really learn a lot about them in these next two weeks. And I think they would have the, if they want to be a serious football team, they've got to look at winning at least one of those, which is a tall yep. order. But if they've got all their guys, I think it's something that they're they're capable of doing. Well, they you know? they they played the Roosters pretty tough in round. Was it round two earlier? Yeah, this they year? did. Yeah, if not for a couple of, I think it was drop balls from Dylan Walker near the trial, and I think they could have stolen that one at the end. So you know they'll, they'll give themselves a chance in that one. And then Penrith. Well, I mean, did the Rabbitohs break Penrith? Who knows? Who am I hard to say? To, hard to like. Impo- they haven't won it. Impossible to say at this time. They haven't won a game since Nick. So the numbers don't lie, man. They they really don't. Um. Yeah. All right. Anything else you want to say about this game? Uh, no, that's about it, I think. All right. Let's quickly uh, preview Thursday night's game. Um, Shark Park on a Thursday. What a, what a treat for the fans. Uh, not really. That ground is awful. Um, <laughs> I like going there for fun, but fuck me. It's awful to watch footy at. Which, uh, which part of the ground will a rowdy group of fans seize control of this weekend? Um, the, the lower Andrew Eddinghausen stand. And what I don't even know if it's... Well, what will be the impetus behind this? Um, they're going to run out of pies and sausage rolls and hot dogs. <laughs> what just pastry, pastry mad punters will? Yes, will yeah, overrun gonna, the stand. Trying to eat the seats, what's yeah, ripping seats up to try and find protein hidden underneath. <laughs> we can, I mean, I assume. And at the center of it all, honest Matt Bungard. That's right. Uh, no, I, I, I'm not even going to entertain this one. With I might come down. I'm not going to go. <laughs> To Cronulla on a Thursday night to watch the god-awful North Queensland Cowboys who are really just terrible. This is interesting. These are two teams right now playing each other that were both kind of a bit dismissed by people at the start of this season. Both of these teams were kind of the two hot candidates for people to say they were going to regress. Uh, A lot of people had the Sharks dropping out of their eight. You were among those that had the Cowboys. Um, The Sharks have, I think, steadied that ship to an extent. I think they've started to figure it all out. Once Nico's been back, uh, they had the Warriors aberration. But other than that, I think they've been pretty decent. Got a really good win last week. But yeah, the Cowboys, uh, they're a team on a bit of life support right now. So I think this game is uh, pr- pretty important for them and, and what they've been, th- uh, and for them to try and get an, a, a rare a, a rare away win. Rare away win is hard to say. Well, they did. They did win last week, and they did look a little bit, a little bit better. They get Jordan McLean back mm. uh, this week, and I don't think that's a, I don't think that's a small. That's no small thing to me because of the struggles Cronulla have had in the middle of the field. Um, it was interesting. I think Cronulla. I think there were a section of Cronulla fans that like probably weren't that impressed with how they did against against the Bulldogs, um, especially given how undermanned the Bulldogs are right now. I, but I do think this is a game that Cronulla would have had circled on their calendar for a while given the 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 semi-final loss to the mm. Cowboys at Shark Park last year so I'm expecting to see something close to Cronulla's best you know they've been building the last couple of weeks they had the win over the Roosters the win over the Bulldogs if they are going to start if they are going to hit the gas I would imagine it, it kind of starts right now so I want to mm. see more of the same from them I want to see the forwards 
aim up a little bit again. I want to see Will Kennedy and Nico Hines linking again. I want to see Brit, Br- uh, Brighton Nicola continuing to play the sort of footy that he has done so that he has done so well with over these first few weeks. I'm tipping the Sharks in this, um, yeah. but the manner of the victory, I'm not. I'm not 100 sure. I, Me like, too. From a Sharks perspective, I would want to see them like rip the cows apart and and really look like the team that they've sort of teased to be this year. But it also wouldn't surprise me if they sort of struggled to put them away, like they've struggled to put a couple of teams away this year. So yep. remains to be seen. I'm, I'm looking forward to this one. Me too. All right. Uh, before we get out of here, a quick thank you to the people in the top two tiers on our Patreon subscription service. If you'd like to be a patron, uh, go to patreon.com forward slash interim rookies. You get access to our Discord server, merchandise discounts. We've got a location for the Magic Round Meetup. Uh, and you'll get a bonus podcast every week. You might you liked getting three podcasts this week, did you? Well, <laughs> well, guess what? You could get three every week for just the low, low price of a nominal fee. And thank you to Chris Avnell, Dave, Rocky and Rafi, Stu, Talakai, Tamed Manu, Alex Sejakomi, Butsy, Chewbacca's Nuffalopagus, Dan Cullinane, David, Doc Hogg, an anonymous backer, Ed Burton, Frankie, Horsburgh Scores, Rajace Felix Farnworth, Jason, Jez, Joel Wrigley, Josh, Brandon, John, kicks the outs out of the comp, Lachlan Hancock, Lifelong Dolphins fan, Luke Charles Smidmore, Luke Ferguson, Maddie Jenkins, Matthew Duggan, Michael Murray, Mr. Beefy, Morgan Watkins, my team's bench is your team's marquee, my ding-ding-dong is hard and I am sad, Never Trendy, Pat, Pat McManus, Ray Stone Gossard, Reese Brown, Rowan Edwards, Roxanne Clark, Shunter, Ty, TB, The Black Vegetable, Thor, Tom Hardy, Woz, and Westlife's podcast. Thank you to all of you who listen, uh, to everyone in the lower tiers, and everyone who just listens, thank you as well. I'll never take up my player option and leave you guys, that's a promise. That's, That's true. a promise. All right. Uh, Campo, we did we did get a bit heated there earlier. I just want to say that I'll never no, take up good. my player option on you. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's good. It's good it's good when we get fired up. Because we can get fired up good. and then we can we can still come together at the at the end of the episode, you know? And, and people are wondering how how game. how how did I manage to fit Nick Campton under the Boom Rookie salary cap? Well, they don't understand how much money Mitch Doyle was on. That was <laughs> that was a that was a Liam Knight esque contract on the books. <laughs> Uh, I'm just kidding, Mitch. I miss you. Oh man! But right. now he's on. Who's that baseball player who's got the deal? Oh, Bobby, where... Chris Davis or Bobby Ven- Bobby Vanier is the main one. But like Chris Davis is the new one who no one cares about because Bobby Vanier day has been a thing for so so long. But they're you just want to explain to the listeners what that is. Okay, so uh, in baseball you can because there's no salary cap in Major League Baseball like there is in the basketball and the and the NFL and and in the rugby league. Um, so there's no salary cap in baseball. You can pay players whatever you want. But what happens is sometimes. They'll defer players' contracts when they're when they're sort of getting old to help move some money around. So this guy, Bobby Bonilla, is his name. He um he gets an annual payout uh, from the New York Mets every year. He retired in uh, two thousand and one, and he's still getting paid now in two thousand and twenty three. And I think it runs until uh, I'll pull it up real quick. Uh, he runs until I don't know a long time. I think it's twenty five years. So it might it might come to an end soon. So. Uh, but the, the the funny part about this is every, it's, it's Bobby Benigay that gets paid out on July 1st every year. It's quite funny. Everyone laughs about it. Um, 2035, there you go. But uh, what people don't realize is the Baltimore Orioles are also paying not only Bobby Benigay himself a deferred contract of a different amount that gets paid out every year, but their slugger, Chris Davis, who, gave the, who they gave the biggest contract in team history to, who retired in 2019. Uh, I believe he is being paid um, until... He is getting paid until 2037, uh, and he's getting paid forty two million dollars in deferred payments over over the next uh, fifteen or so years. So yeah, so every year they pay Chris Davis three million dollars to be at home. Bit of money, 
Yep. Uh, it's worth oh, for context. It's like the Orioles are like this. Uh, they're like a bottom five payroll team in baseball as well. So like it is a it is a substantial amount of money that they have they spent on this guy and then are still spending on him to be retired because basically after he got the contract he became like I'm not exaggerating the worst hitter in baseball. It's a long way to way of saying that we'll still be paying Mitch in 2056. That is correct. All that's, right, that's that's how that works. Say goodbye, Campo. Goodbye, Bertrand. <laughs> it's goodbye from me.